Here we go. Today is Sunday, January 12th, 2020, and this is episode 243 of the Defensive Security Podcast. My name is Jerry Bell, and joining me tonight, as always, is Mr. Andrew Callett. Good evening, Jerry, and hey, Happy New Year to you. Likewise, Happy New Year. I know. It was uh, it was touch and go making it out of 2019, but we made it. Yeah, the, the, the 2010s wanted to uh, keep you... It did. In its ICU embrace, but you escaped. <laughs> it's true. And uh, not personally, but in general, 2020 has gotten off to a crazy start. But for me, I'm, I'm still good. 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 And I, went back, I even went back to work, which is crazy. That is I'm crazy. I'm no longer an unemployed bum. <laughs> well, okay. I was, I was going to say unemployed bum, as long as you're qualifying it. Mm-hmm, fair. Okay. Fair. But uh, anyway. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, welcome to the new decade, everyone. So, uh, if, if uh, the, you know, the first couple of weeks of this decade are any kind of indication, we're, we're in for quite a ride, so uh, buckle your seatbelts. All right, um, let's see, just a couple of housekeeping items. Uh, thank you to our Patreon donors very, very much for your, yeah, you continued, awesome. thank you. For your continued support. I appreciate that. If you do like the show and want to uh, let other people know, you know, you can give us some love on iTunes or or other uh, podcast sites, oh, and and tell your friends. Uh, let's see, or or your enemies, if you or hate your the show. enemies. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, we it sounds like we may have some news soon about an appearance. Well, I don't think we're ready to talk about it yet. No, I can I can. I don't know when this is going to go out. It might not go out in time, but I'm going to participate in a panel at an Atlanta conference on Wednesday, the 15th, uh, which is just a couple days away. Uh, FutureCon, con, FutureCon. I got invited to speak on a panel there. So if, hey, if you're, if you're a listener and you're there, please say hello. Nice. Awesome. I'll try not to be too awkward. Awesome. Good deal. All right, so let's uh, let's jump into some stories. The first one comes from the Irish Times, which is not a very uh, normal source for our stories. No, but, but it is fun reading their colloquialisms. Yeah, yes, indeed it is. The title here is Firm Being Blackmailed by Hackers for $6 Million Obtains Irish Court Injunction. So this is a uh, story about an American company named Southwire who was the apparent victim of... One of these new, and by the way, we got a couple stories about this, and there's even more uh, that we haven't, we're not talking about. But uh, over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about, in particular, the Maze ransomware, which has been focusing on um, not only you know encrypting your files, but also stealing your data. And and that, by the way, appears to be a pretty um, a pretty popular tactic as it's turning out uh now southwire it's it's a little unclear if they were in fact hit by ransomware but they were definitely hit with uh, a, apparently a data a data breach and the actor here has been 
again, as the uh, the title would lead you to believe, is uh, is asking for six million dollars in order to not release this data. And uh, now it appears that some amount of data has been released on um, on a, a website. And that's what this story is all about. And actually, I, the reason I, I wanted to cover this one is it's kind of a novel thing. I've not actually, I can't say that I recall this sort of a tactic by a, a victim before. But basically, the, the long and the short of it is uh, th- there's a website which is being hosted in Ireland, uh, which ha- is where this uh, bad actor has been apparently posting some of Southwire's data. So... Um, is it turns out the company, the web hosting company, and uh, and all of its principles seem like kind of shady, and uh, and uh, I think the company itself is kind of in the in the process of going under the web hosting company, not not Southwire, and uh, and so uh, Southwire had to go to the Irish court and and basically get an injunction in absentia from these uh from the the you know all the parties including this company from continuing to host any of their confidential information and it's interesting to note by the way that Southwire actually tried to get uh their name redacted from the all the court filings so that you couldn't tell who you know who was the victim yeah cuz i'm i now immediately curious what they have posted that they're not letting they don't want to see <laughs> the Streisand effect is in full force yes Yes, absolutely. absolutely. But it is – this is, like you mentioned, this new tactic we're seeing more and more, which is not just, hey, we're not going to let you ever get your files back. We're going to start leaking them if you don't pay us. Yeah. Which is kind of harsh, kind of harsh. Indeed. And, you know, we, we it, it kind of leads me to wonder if we're going to see the same kind of arms race in, um, in, in the wake of these data breaches and – the subsequent posting that we've seen in in uh, so 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 you're thinking that like the companies will just start leaking their own information first. Well, I mean that's a strategy. Like faster. That's a strategy. Who can leak it first <laughs> wins. We've had the best data breach ever. No data <laughs> breach has ever been as. No. Um, <laughs> our breaches are so fast. How fast? How fast are they? So, um, no, I, I, I I'm wondering if some of the tactics that have been used in fi- in fighting um, copyright infringement for music and movies where they go after domain domain names and uh, IP addresses and you know getting uh, ISPs actually disconnected from the internet I'm wondering if we're we're going to see that sort of a uh, a thing start to play out I mean, you could you could kind of see at least I can kind of see that's where this could be headed yeah but that's very simple to avoid just by doing a BitTorrent or oh, I agree. throwing it out on a Usenet or on any of the various mirror sites that are, you know, that's trivial to get around. Yeah, well, I mean, so it's, and so it went for sharing music, right? It didn't stop people from yeah. taking those tactics uh, for their I always, I always suspected you were a LimeWare kind of guy. Well, you know, it was the time, right? I mean, I was young and dumb and... Anyway. Question, what are you now? Old and dumb. Okay. All right. I, I can't, can't argue. Carry on. <laughs> All right. So next, uh, next story comes from uh, inews.co.uk. And the title here is Travelex Hack 
how a cyber attack by Soden Nokibi, I think that's how you say it, ransomware hit the travel money firm and what it means for you. That is probably the longest headline I have ever seen. It is pretty long. But yeah, you know, these guys are ubiquitous in, in airports. I see them all the time when you're traveling internationally oh, or absolutely. even traveling domestically. They're all over Atlanta airports. Absolutely. So, I mean, I've been all over the world and they are everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a pretty big company. And not only is it a big company, but it a lot of people rely on it. Uh, although, although I've always told it's the most expensive way to exchange money. But a lot of people rely on it. And, you know, if they're not operational and you're in a foreign country and you can't get local currency, that could be a bit of a problem. Yeah, so there's there's an interesting story here, which you know is is not the kind of normal technical nuts and bolts that we typically like to talk about. But um, so there's a bit of there's a bit of controversy here. Uh, this Soden Nokibi apparently operates very similarly to the uh, the Maze ransomware, where they will kind of hit you with a one two punch once you know they 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 encrypt your data and then. Uh, they, in order to encourage you to pay, they threaten to leak your data. And uh, that uh, definitely appears to be what's going on here. So this particular actor is is uh, uh, ransoming Travelex for $6 million U.S. dollars. And if they don't Which, get that, they're going to release 5 gigabytes of personal data from, the, uh, from Travelex six million, customers. $6 million in Bitcoin seems to be popular because the previous story was also it, $6 million in Bitcoin. It, yeah, and I think it ha- it's probably, I, I suspect, it's some round number of Bitcoin, like 100 Bitcoin or something. I'm, I'm going to guess it's... Uh, it could be. No, it changes pretty often. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, you know, one of the one of the interesting uh, points to me is that this, I think, as we've predicted now for a couple of months, does in fact appear to be... A, a pretty significant change in tactics. It's no longer just uh, about encrypting data. It's now actually about, you know, incentivizing you to pay by threatening to release your data. Now, what's really interesting about this particular case is that, um, you know, TravelX has customers all over the world. This, in this article, they point out that they have um 1,200 locations, 1,000 ATMs, and they operate in 70 different countries, many of which are in Europe, who is subject to the GDPR. And um, and so there's there's some back and forth about whether or not TravelX has notified the uh, the UK Information Commissioner's Office. Uh, they, the TravelX apparently says that they have, and the ICO says that they have not, which could really be interesting. Now, now, by the way, they, they don't really. Maybe, oh, go ahead. Maybe the bad guys could release the evidence of them contacting. That's a good idea if it's not already encrypted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, but it is a good. It, yeah, I like the way you think. Uh, so anyway, I've I've didn't I've done a little bit of research on this Soda Nokibi, and there's not a lot of detail about the methods that are being used to propagate it. Apparently, it is the uh, the successor to to Gandcrab that apparently has shifted over to this so uh, this particular Soda Nokibi strain of of ransomware. So um, anyway, the, the long and the short of it is number one. 
obviously backups are still really important as we're going to talk about in a couple of minutes, uh, but that's no longer the end. You know, the, the bad guys are really, really pushing the envelope on monetizing their intrusions. Yeah. Uh, the only frustrating thing about these articles to me is we don't have any information whatsoever about how the original ransomware gained a, a foothold, which is what I find useful to figure out how to defend against it. Um, yeah. So, you know, roll a dice. It's phishing or open RDP. <laughs> or, or lately, open Citrix. Well, yeah, okay. I opened Citrix. Fair, fair enough. Yeah. In the last week. Yeah. So, which, which, by the way, is a good, uh, it's a good segue to something we wanted to talk about. Don't have a, a, a story handy to, to, uh, to reference, but um, there is in the wild right now a active and unpatched uh, Citrix Netscaler and ADC uh, vulnerability. It's nasty. It it's, is. Um, it's there's proof of concept code out in the wild. It's very very automatable. Um, again, there is no patch. Citrix, uh, for their part, on their website, they have posted some steps you can implement its configuration changes to mitigate uh, the the vulnerability. I don't know what kind of functionality, if any, you lose in um, in the aftermath of of implementing that. But holy and cow! It's not a it's not a great mitigation from what I hear, but it. Stop some of it. And not only is there proof of concept out there, we're seeing actual exploit activity in, in various honey pots and such. Yeah. So it's actively being exploited. And it's nasty because it's full remote access. It's And usually Citrix farms have really good access internally. So it's, it's a pretty scary uh, exploit, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, we're probably at the point now where if – or we're approaching the point where if you haven't implemented the mitigation and you have these things at the edge of your network, you probably ought to proceed with the assumption that it's, that you've been compromised and, and act accordingly. Yeah. Cause this is one of those that it breaks all of our traditional recommendations for perimeter edge security. doesn't matter if you have two factor, doesn't matter if you authenticated the machines with certificates, none of it matter because this is a code exploit against the box itself, which is set up to listen on the edge for remote folks coming in. So, you know, it's tough. Maybe, you know, maybe hide it behind your VPN. Uh, so they've got to authenticate the VPN before they get to Citrix. But a lot of companies have those Citrix servers wide open at the internet, uh, trusting that perimeter security of the Citrix box, which I'm not judging poorly here, but here's a great example of when that gets popped, it's nasty. Now, I just mentioned hiding behind a VPN. We've had the same thing happen to VPNs. Pulse Secure. Yeah, a whole bunch. An exploit. Yeah. Right? So, again, that's not a magic fix either. But it's it it bears some thinking about as you're deploying these critical perimeter resources, what if it gets popped? How do you contain it? How do you know? You know, if it's if it's they get on the Citrix box – and then just have car blanche in, inside your organization, or they get on the VPN and have car blanche. That's that's pretty scary. I mean, you might want to treat those as still fairly untrusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, is is my thoughts, but that could that could be a real pain in the butt, and, and it's not something you can implement quickly. Uh, you know, it's kind of last week. We didn't do a show last week because of the holidays and all, but uh, the suspicion was Iran was about to launch a bunch of cyber attacks. As far as we know, they didn't by the way, but, and everybody's running around writing articles and talking about 
how do you prepare for Iran? And it's a valid question. I'm sure a lot of executives are asking that question, but I'm screaming into the void. It's probably too late. Everything that you'd want to do would take probably weeks. Well, well that end, if, uh, I mean, APTs, the, the, the P typically means persistent. And, you know, it's kind of like the, the old saying about when is the best time to plant a tree, right? 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. When, when did you get compromised by the you know, the advanced threat actor, you know, a year ago? Probably. <laughs> Not, now, all that being said, if your executives are coming to you asking about this, that's a wonderful opportunity to, to potentially increase your security stance. I, I don't want to yeah. downplay it. But what frustrates me personally is executives who think there's a push button that you can go press on your magic box of security that says defend against Iran. It just, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> but, you know, that's what that's what the execs are looking for. They're like, what do we do? Do something. Um, and it's it's a little more nuanced than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my observation, by the way, was there, there were lots of organizations, some I'm more familiar with than others, who were, who were you know, very concerned about uh, this particular threat. But I think they're, at least in my uh, experience, my from what I could see, really focusing myopically on them as a target, and I suspect that if we were to see, uh, you know, again, I I don't know a whole lot about the capabilities of Iran, but I suspect that it's going to be less uh, of a, um, you know, a targeted breach that we would see, and more of a not pet ya or wanna cry style attack where organizations are going to kind of be collateral damage, you know, with in the wake of some, some broader attack. So it really depends on their intentions, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you look at some of what Russia is up to is they appear to the best of our knowledge to have run a campaign of, of disinformation and controversial postings on, on, various social networking sites to drive Americans to fight. You know, that's not what our traditional model of what is the motivation behind an attacker uh, didn't contain that one, really. So it's sometimes tough to predict what a nation state is up to or what their long-term plans are. Right, right. So anyhow, um, while we're talking about imminent vulnerabilities, we should say that uh, we are two days away from uh, Windows 7 being end of life. So. Yeah. Now, does that does that apply to corporations and personal everybody, or can you I think pay more to keep it, going? I think it's home. I think it's primarily home. I think you can yeah. continue to pay for some number of years, but it gets, as with most things Microsoft, progressively more expensive as you go. Look, you can have my Windows 95 box when you pry for my cold dead you know, hands. The, the, the grand irony is nobody's doing anything, like nobody's attacking Windows 95 anymore. No, that's true. It's probably I mean, one of the most secure things you got out there. Now. That's why I run OS2. That's right. Which was a fun little operating. Anyway, I'm just being nostalgic now. All right. Um, next story comes from securityfairs.co, and the title is Microsoft Published an Interesting Analysis of RDP brute force attacks that are targeted, that, that targeted the 45,000. Oh my gosh, that's a crazy, badly worded 
headline. Anyway, uh, so this is this article is about a uh, about a study released by Microsoft. In the uh, the kind of the headline number is that point zero eight percent of RDP brute force attacks are successful, which doesn't sound like a huge number, but it kind of says to me that you know it's almost imminent. Now, when we're talking brute force here, are we talking just randomized, proceduralized, try A, then try AA, then try AA, or are we talking, here's a list of passwords that have been captured uh, from other breaches that have been dumped on the internet. We're going to try all these common passwords. You know, it doesn't it doesn't actually say, but I would put um, a good bit of money on the latter. Yeah, you that know, that makes more sense. Uh, to me credential stuffing and and whatnot is uh is very i mean look why would you do kind of the iteration based attack when you just take the rock you password list and you know right <laughs> be, hey you know what else i stuffed oh jeez, a turkey you shouldn't call your mom that oh she doesn't god. like that oh my gosh uh, so anyway, my mom's not doing great, by the way. So, so, so you're, you're, uh, you're hurting me here. I'm sorry. I, sorry. Now, now, now I feel bad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, <laughs> now pretty, I don't feel bad. That was pretty funny though. Um, anyway. See, just keep crying wolf. True. It's true. It'll bite me. Uh, so anyway, that they, they not a not an incredible amount of detail here, but I um, I have personally observed RDP being exposed to the internet as a major problem. It is. I actually was surprised at how low Microsoft is seeing the effectiveness of this is. Um, but keep in mind that's kind of an aggregate across a very large population, and so you know your specific mileage may vary. Yeah, but it doesn't need to be high success rate because it's a matter of success for time. Correct. And uh, it's an automated attack, so... Right, you just let your box run. Right. <laughs> and then it rings and the, the bell I, every now and then. Right. I, I did think it was interesting they talked about how they did it low and slow and how they were trying to avoid detection. And, you know, there's some interesting stats in here about, you know, how, how long it typically lasted. Uh, you know, most lasted about you know less than a week but who knows you know it depends on how bad they want in yeah so for, for there's a, a good quote in here furthermore across all enterprises analyzed over several months on average about one machine was detected with high probability of being compromised resulting from rdp brute force attacks every three to four days so yeah um i the kind of the the thing I wanted to hammer on this is RDP is really not a great thing to have exposed to the internet. There are, um, there's better ways. If you do have to do it, number one, make sure that it's, it's patched and you do patch it uh, quickly because things like blue keep come up every now and then. And the other is that you use, um, you know, I guess a couple things. One is you use multi-factor authentication, but also get rid of you know, default unused accounts and change any default passwords because those are the. I mean, you you talk you ask the question. Well, how are they? How are they getting in? You know, you one of the one of the the things that I've seen people try and have a lot of luck with is 
you just you, there's you know big inventories, big tables of default user ID names and default passwords, and you just try those, and and a lot of times you get lucky because lazy admins install some crappy backup piece of software and hey here's a thought why don't you go get that and try it against your own systems first before the bad guys do that sounds like a good it's a very good idea i know i just you're just full of good ideas today my job as a thought leader is just to reiterate things i was taught 20 years ago <laughs> touche Touche. All right. The uh, the last story comes from ZDNet. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, yeah, RDP exposed the internet's usually a bad idea. And again, try to hide it behind a VPN or a firewall with some sort of pr- external authentication as well. I, you know, you just which, two-factor people. Which vulnerable thing do you want on the internet? <laughs> that's that's yeah, the... No, I, I just, I'm just going to unplug. I'm going to go back on sabbatical. Medical leave, I didn't have to worry about this stuff. I never had these problems with my Etch-a-Sketch. That's true. Hey, by the way, are you watching the uh, Jeopardy Greatest of All Time tournament? Well, you know, I wanted to, except apparently I just found out that um, the the storm that came through and caused all of my stuff to go down was a tornado. What? what? Whoa, hey, yeah. you got a tornado? I had a tornado, right? No kidding. Yeah. It was funny. My uh, my oldest son and I were watching out our back window, and I, <laughs> I looked at him and said, I've never seen winds that fast. Our, we have some really big trees in our backyard, and they were almost leaning over. You've never gone through a hurricane in Bermuda like I have. That's true. I have not. Mm-hmm. But, hmm. So is that, it was at EF0, so it's not like it was a, a major... <laughs> Yeah. Wimpy. Barely more than a dust devil. Although I did drive around today and uh it it does look like a war zone. Uh, there's in the the pine trees <laughs> lost. <laughs> I'll tell you that. The weak pine trees were cold. I completely forgot what point I was making. <laughs> I don't know either. RDP bad. All right. Uh next story comes from ZDNet. Title is Company shuts down because of ransomware leaves 300 without jobs. Uh, now, this is a... Oh, 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 oh I remember. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Jeopardy Greatest of All Time. Right? Yes, Tournament, that's right. right. Yep. They had a cybersecurity category. Did they? They did, and I ran that. I'm like, if they were all this category, I could be on Jeopardy. <laughs> I didn't see it. Was that yesterday? No, it was. I think it was Thursday. All right. I'll have to but, take a look. I, f- I feel very... I just wanted to brag. Cause, mind you, I'm sure all of our listeners could have as well, because it was pretty basic stuff and sometimes badly the problem is sometimes that especially if you know a lot about a topic how they word the the, the clue can really throw get, you off because you you're like that's not how i would okay okay anyway that was the one thing i just wanted to humble brag but that's but that's fancy we we got a category we did in, uh, in, on we jeopardy did. that's that's pretty awesome all right so back on track i mean well let me know do you have anything more that you would like to interrupt the show with Yes, but I'll wait till you're talking. Okay, okay, good. ZDNet title is "Company Shuts Down Because of Ransomware Leaves 300 Without Jobs Just Before the Holidays." Ouchie, ouchie. So, uh, company's name is the the Heritage Company. They are a telemarketer. I'm a little torn because the world is not necessarily worse off without another telemarketing company. But uh, we just lost all our sponsorships from telemarketing <laughs> companies. Good job. <laughs> But it is really unfortunate for the 300 people. 
Um, now, apparently, this announcement uh, went out to the employees just before Christmas, and the employees were told, you know, you're we're probably not going to be back in business, so you should go and find other employment. Uh, but what's really interesting, and it's kind of subtle in here, and I don't fully understand this, is um, the ransomware attack apparently happened back in October, and the employees who were notified just before Christmas said that they were completely unaware that there was a ransomware attack. And I don't know how so, you put those things together. How impactful could it have been? I, oof. Well, okay, so the story is they paid too, right? They paid and got their data back. But apparently it was just so disruptive they never got back on their feet and lost a lot of money. But if it's that disruptive, how did the employees not? I'm very confused. That's exactly my my question. So there's a quote in here that says, uh, let's see. Unfortunately, approximately two months ago, our heritage servers were attacked by malicious software that basically held us hostage for ransom and were forced to pay the crooks to get the key. So there you go. Just to get our systems back up and running, wrote Sandra uh, Franecki, the company CEO. She goes on to say that the data recovery efforts initially estimated at one week have not gone according to plan and the company has had failed to recover full service by Christmas. Uh, she said that they lo- the company lost hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the incident had been, and had been forced to restructure different areas of the company. As a result of yeah. the botched ransomware recovery process, the company's leadership decided to spend all ser- suspend all services, leaving more than 300 employees without jobs. So, so I cannot think of another time where somebody paid the ransom, got their files back, and still, and still went out of business. It still went out of business. I mean, it's kind of rare. It, it's not. It's not unheard of, but it's it's well, it's kind of rare that companies go out of business just because of a ransomware attack. It leads me to wonder, by the way, if there weren't other issues going on, and this was a convenient exit stage left i don't know i mean a lot of medium-sized businesses and small businesses are barely hanging on they don't have the well that's true that's a fair the retained earnings to deal with a lot of disruption and this is a small company 300 employees you're right so Mm. that's true it's probably not a high margin business but it sucks for the 300 people yeah yeah but so i mean it just goes to show you even if you pay and get your files back, you might still be screwed. So, you know, if your game plan is we'll just pay the ransom, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, you know, we've we've talked about that in the past, and we've seen um, we've seen a number of of cases, and I can't re- remember any specific ones that come to mind where um, the company had a backup, right? They had backups. And and had concluded that it was more effective or you know more more cost efficient to just pay the ransom because it took so it would take so long to go through the restore process. <clears throat> so obviously the ransomware people here, you know, are not very customer oriented. <laughs> like their net promoter score is probably really low. Yeah, because now they can't go victimize this company again. You can't. It's like a virus killing its host too soon. Exactly right. That's exactly yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah, right. It's just so they should be like after you pay the ransom, there should be like a survey that you know. You know, 
the, the ransomware guys, if they also took the data, maybe they could just start up that company and hire back those 300 people. You, you know, you... And uh, go legit. You're on something there, right? I mean, it's kind of a hostile takeover. Very hostile. But, you know, it's about the jobs, man. It could work, though. Hmm. It's just crazy enough to work. I have no idea what's happened to this show. It's just... It's the uh, post-holiday uh, crazies. So, <laughs> anyhow, uh, patch your Citrix stuff. Get rid of Windows Seven. Um, yeah, by the way, Windows Ten is a hell of a lot better than Windows Seven. Yeah, you know, along those lines too. Just, I'm sure most people know this, but Windows Ten allows much better security on the network than Windows Seven did. But you got to know to go turn that stuff on. So yes. research the enhanced security operations capable for things like password. I mean, it's got a lot better defenses for capturing hashes and, and replaying hashes and all sorts of stuff that Windows 7 was easily compromised by. So, But if you don't go tweak that on your AD controllers and your other servers, uh, you know, don't update the GPUs. GPOs. GPUs. GPOs. Yeah. GPOs, thank you. Mm-hmm. Not Not game processing or graphic processing units. Wow, I am just... I'm not drunk. How I'm long just have dumb. you been out? Jeez. So, oh, by the way, there's this thing called the cloud. Have you heard about it? No. <laughs> can you can you send me can you send me a newsletter on that? Sure, I, I will do that. But anyway, yeah, just I just I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, um, thank you very much for listening. Uh, it's Great to be back. Great to uh, be in the new decade. And I look forward to seeing what happens. And hopefully I don't hear about any of your companies being hacked by Citrix or or RDP. Yeah. Welcome to 2020. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thanks again to our Patreon donors. And uh, you guys are awesome. And I think we'll be at least one or two events this year, yeah. I believe, yeah. you and I. So as we get those confirmed, we'll let you know. And we can have awkward shoe staring contests very true we will post at least i will post since i'm a major introvert i will post pictures of my shoes so mm. that you can all recognize me yes it's a good plan or actually you know i i would need pictures of everybody else's shoes so that i can recognize them anyhow say goodnight crazy totally watch that one yep good night gracie thanks everyone have a great week Take See care. you. Bye-bye. Bye.